Welcome to It's All Poetry with me, Nicole Cloutier, your host, copywriting mentor, and lifelong worshipper of words in their many beautiful and ever-changing forms. On this podcast, we believe that words are magic and that you and I and everyone else all have the innate ability to wield that magic well. Our main topic is words, from marketing and politics to spellcasting and poetry. We'll even get a little nerdy with some etymology and linguistic history every now and then. In short, words are everything. They make up our stories and the worlds we live in, so let's look at them, hold them, turn them over in our hands, you know? Get to know them so that we can use them with intention, which is exactly what we do in every episode. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe and check out all the links in our show notes. Now, let's get on to today's episode. Hi, Cleo. Hi. How are you? I'm so glad to have you on here. Thank you so yeah. much for joining us. I'm so excited. <laughs> awesome. So for everyone listening, I have Cleo Nikki Casitas here. Uh, and Cleo and I are both copywriters. So okay. today we're going to be talking a lot about copywriting. We're going to have some tips for you. Um, the main topic we're going to be diving into is the ethics of copywriting. So Cleo, before we get started, can you give us a brief introduction to who you are? What you do. Yeah. So like Nicole said, I'm a copywriter. I've been doing this for several years. I really focus on storytelling and authenticity in my writing and work with lots of different uh, big and small businesses, agencies, one on one directly. So lots and lots of different experiences. Um, and yeah, I love digging into what really makes a brand authentic and how to how to use that to stand out from from the crowd. Yeah, and we're going to be digging into that because I feel like authentic is such like a, you know, it's a word that it's so coveted, right? Like we all want to be authentic in our marketing and when we're talking to our audiences and it's, um, yeah, like we all want it and yet it feels like, but how? <laughs> how do I do it? It's like telling someone to be themselves and it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but we're going to dive into all of that, so uh, so stick around. Um, but yeah, we are both, I think one thing that we've kind of talked about that we have in common is that we're both a bit like reluctant copywriters, I think, or maybe reluctance, not the right word, but it's like neither of us really planned on becoming mar- it, like marketers, like being in marketing. Um, yeah, would you say that's true for you? Yeah, it was definitely kind of a left turn. I'd had many careers before this, which I know we'll talk yeah. about. We can yeah. talk about it later. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely a surprise. I think it's been a surprise that I got into marketing. And I think it also surprised me how much I did end up liking it. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, and I think for me too, like one of the reasons I didn't expect to get into marketing is because yeah, I don't think I felt like it was like an honorable career. <laughs> um, it's not portrayed that way in media. It's anything. not portrayed that way. Yeah. Um, and I have struggled with that like kind of throughout my career, but I feel like I'm coming around to it. Um, but one person, I don't want to get too far into this without acknowledging a person that has uh, had a big influence, I think, on the both of us. We've both taken some courses with her um, and that is Simone Soul, right? How did yeah. you come across her? From you. From me. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yes, I, I thank love you her. for introducing her to me. <laughs> I love that. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Simone is great. And I think she has actually played a big role in me, like, being okay with the fact that I'm a copywriter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, finding her and hearing the way she talks about copywriting really brought me back. Um to being like, okay, maybe I can do this ethically, right? Um, And she has a whole podcast episode. um, I'll link to it in the show notes. I I don't remember which number it is, but where she talks about like part of the reason that we all feel icky about marketing. And so I Mm want to kind of explore that with you first, Cleo. And some of the words that she mentions that I was like, like when she said them, I was like, oh my God, of course, <laughs> right? Are just the words we use to talk about marketing. And some of those are like, we capture leads and convert leads and users have a lifetime value. You know, this this whole podcast is about the power of words. Um, 
And I think that like when we use words like that to talk about what we do for a living, I think it has like a kind of like subconscious impact on us. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Simone was the first person that I encountered online who was just so upfront about the ethics of marketing. You see a lot of people who talk about being authentic, you know, do different things like that um, with the end goal of, but they still focus that end goal on like, this is how you'll make more money. This is how you'll get more people. I mean, I still do that in my messaging because it's like, that's what people really want, you know, like make sure it all comes back to like making more money or getting more, getting more leads or whatever it is. Um, I think Simone's the first person I countered who was just like, no, we're talking about ethics for ethics sake. Like this is, this is about being a good person. And that's the, <laughs> Yeah. that's the end goal here, uh, which is a really refreshing and interesting um, stance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think marketing as a whole has become like growth at all costs, you know, <laughs> but I hear what you're saying because, um, like usually what we really want is deeper, but the things we say we want are usually pretty surface. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, that's totally true. And I think Simone does a great job of going, going to that deeper of like, you know, no one's up, or maybe some people are, but not many people are like, my goal in business is to like, be a good person. But I do think that deep down, that is something that we all want. And it's really, it's really great to talk about that up front. Uh, and yeah, I love the words that you mentioned, um, you know, convert and capture, like, these are, they're, they're violent. Like that. <laughs> Mm hmm. Yeah. you know, they're, they're violent words. Um, and we use so much of that in marketing, especially certain types of marketing that are really, really focused on um, like numbers and just aggressively growing. Uh, you'll see marketers out there who are like, you know, it all comes down to, you know, what are your What are your what are your numbers like? What are the click through rates? What are you conversion rates? Things like that. Um, and while obviously, like I'm a <laughs> I have a background in in science and 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 math and things like that, so I I love numbers, um, and I totally agree that they are a very objective way to measure what you're doing, um, but I think that it can just get a little bit, it can get too aggressive, I think, and you can just get too. Um, it's almost dehumanizing. You almost forget that you're talking to people and that these are real people. And I think once you let yourself start forgetting that, that's when you can get on a slippery slope where you're you're marketing things that people don't really need or that maybe aren't the best for them or you're marketing to the wrong people. You know, you're like, oh, I want to market to more people. So you're marketing, you have something that's valuable for a certain group of people, but you're marketing it to people who it's not really valuable for. Um, and you just... I think you can lose track of that. You're talking to like full human beings. Um, and I think that that is especially an issue because I think, you know, even if we think, okay, everyone just wants to like get ahead in business. I honestly think that once you start going down that road, you're going to start falling behind because I think consumers are really smart these days and they can feel when you're, when you're sliding too far into the aggression and the, and the possession feeling of marketing the dehumanizing marketing um I think that's especially true I mean people talk a lot about you know Gen Z and what does Gen Z word in marketing and I know like the the key word for them is that they're all about values and they want the company to have values and that more and more important to be like value driven and all of that so I think that when you when you spend a lot of time talking and thinking about capture and conversion and lifetime value and words like that Yeah. you're you're putting a, a layer of of violent language between you and any sort of value or human to human connection and i think with you know apparently gen z is super into values <laughs> and, you know the rise of ai in writing and all of that i think that authentic human respectful ethical connection Mm. is going to become something that really stands out from a big mass of like mass produced ai written <laughs> super generic and aggressive and pushy and manipulative marketing. Yeah. Yeah. It almost, it turns the, um, customer into the product <laughs> when Interesting. you use language like that. Um, Yeah. so what I'm curious, like, uh, what are some ways that you kind of help clients focus on them as humans? <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So I think that I do tend to naturally attract and work with people who are already in that realm of thinking that way um but I think that even when you're speaking to someone who's maybe not fully over on that side I think that it really is true that that's 
going to be more effective long term. Like I do think that that is going to be the best way to grow and to to have loyal customers and to create a brand that's memorable and that people actually feel a connection with, which is I think what brands really really want, right? They it's not just about making one sale really. If you if you want to win this game, it's about having customers feel that loyalty. Uh and I think if you want someone to feel loyal to them, you have loyal to you, you have to be loyal to them. Mm. And and ethical and honest with them um, and treat them as human beings. Um, and that has to shine through in in your writing and everything you're doing. Uh, it can't just be something where you're like, no, no, I'm committed to that, like in my heart. Like it, has to, <laughs> it has to come through in all the ways that you communicate with them. I work a lot with my clients on things like tone of voice mm-hmm. and brand messaging and those sorts of things that are almost like a layer below the actual writing um sort of that foundation because I think that when you have that tone of voice that's really focused on value uh, on your values um and that's very authentic to you know if you're a solopreneur to you as an individual but if even if you're a brand you can still send something that's authentic to your mission to your values as an organization um when your messaging is really focused on the stuff that actually matters and very being respectful and, and human to human, Mm -hmm. uh, once you have that foundation, then you can build your writing and your marketing on top of that. And you have a brand that's going to feel different. It's going to feel like it's real and authentic and you're talking to an actual human being. Yeah. It's like when you're, uh, doing work on yourself and you have to do the shadow work first yeah. <laughs> you have to do the internal work, the yeah, work yeah. Um, before you can like actually be better in your relationships <laughs> yeah yeah totally and I think um so many when I'm thinking of solopreneurs because you and I both work a bit too like not just with brands but with well with solopreneurs who the brand is so much the person right and I yeah. think that like when you're a solopreneur at least I'm kind of speaking you know, from the eye for myself, myself as a solopreneur, like sometimes it's hard to convince myself that it's the right move to invest in that like foundation work, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and I think that that's how so many people end up chasing like formulas for copy. Like, so instead of building that foundation that they, that would help them kind of be more authentic and spending time on that inner work, um, they just look for like the quick because they're they're doing so much like it's not I'm not trying to fault anyone like they're busy and so it's easier just to grab a formula and like or use ChatGPT and not edit which I love ChatGPT uh love AI I do I um, find it very useful um but you you do have to edit it and like yeah like make it yours to make it your voice and I think um yeah it's especially hard for solopreneurs to put that time in do you find yeah. that too, working with your solopreneurs or do they kind of come to you already knowing what they need to do? Yeah, no, it's so hard. I mean, you're so busy when you're running a business. Um, even, you know, if you're just starting out, if it's a already big and thriving, like you're, you're just so busy throughout the whole process. Yeah. And yeah, I think that often um, people don't wait, people wait to invest in that foundation until something's broken. Mm. Um, there's like a problem. Um, well, I think that it would be, it's such a good idea to invest in that first, especially since I really believe that that connection with your customer is the heart of your entire business. There's, you know, if you don't have that down, Mm. none of the rest of it matters. Like, you know, your product or service, like quality or how unique and special it is, you know, any of this other stuff that you're doing, uh, which obviously you spend so much time working on, you know, perfecting your product and or service or all this stuff. Um, And none of that matters if you don't have, a good connection with the actual human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, you know, your existing customers that you want to turn into repeat, repeat buyers, um, perspectives, like new people that you're trying to trying to bring into your universe. Um, welcome into your universe, not capture, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. We should, oh, we should come up with new words. We should like, um, yeah. let's do that. We could do that as a project together. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you, if you don't have that solid connection, um, in a way that's authentic, in a way that works, in a way that people feel respected and heard and seen, none of the rest of it matters. But yeah, I think it is really hard to focus on that for the same reason that it's hard to, you know, make the time to do your self-improvement or your therapy or whatever. Cause it's like, no, no, I'm just going to keep trying to check along the way I've been doing it. (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. Um, I even had that experience like working um, at an agency, like my be the beginning of my marketing career was at an agency and I like there were things I knew I needed to do just to like get my time management in order. <laughs> but I was always like um, reactive. That's the word I'm thinking of. Like when your business, when you, it becomes like reactive, like you're just reacting and like doing the things you need to do and not um, spending time on like the CEO stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Constant struggle. I still I struggle to like have Absolutely. my CEO days, my CEO. <laughs> um, yeah, which I know is like something a lot of people do is the CEO days. Um, okay, I want to take a little pivot. Uh, this is going to be <laughs> a bit of a, a harsh, not harsh pivot, uh, like a sharp turn. I want to talk though, for the sake of the audience, a little bit about the history of copywriting. Um, and I'm going to be kind of brief about this, but I think it's worthwhile to look into uh just marketing and copywriting and how it's evolved like over the centuries and how mm -hmm. we got to where we are and um why we're kind of at this dire the stage where we're in dire need of authenticity right uh so so just quickly at the beginning right like copywriting started in like 17th 18th century which makes sense because it's like the dawn of print advertising right so it's the beginning yeah. we're starting to print stuff um advertising at this point was mostly just like straight up informative, right? Public announcement. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which makes sense. Uh, 19th century, we start getting advertising agencies, which actually was earlier than I thought. Did you that like 1800s? I guess that makes sense. 1800s. I can see like ad bros in there <laughs> uh, with their pocket watches and their vests. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like when the first copywriting as profession was born, right? And then we, I'm going to jump forward to 20th century, World War One, World War Two, right? So that's where like propaganda comes out. And I think if you look at advertising around this time, it becomes like they start really employing like psychology, right? Like persuasive. We want to boost morale. We want people to enlist in the army. We want to send out things to our enemies that demoralize them <laughs> like yeah. they're, they're like doing all of these kind of persuasive things and in my research there were some funny names that came out during this I don't know if you know this Cleo but Dr. Seuss was had a big like impact on persuasive messaging yeah. he wasn't yeah I know right like our that's so weird <laughs> <laughs> um, but copywriters have been known to make up words and he's good at that <laughs> wow um, I know right also his real name was Theodore Gazelle. Some listeners mm -hmm. probably knew that, but I didn't know that. Um, cool. But he, he wasn't so much a copywriter, but he created political cartoons. So he worked for the U.S. Treasury, created posters and stuff that promoted the sale of war bonds <laughs> to rally public. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I know. But then I want to jump to uh, David Og Ogilvy, who's a yeah. big name, father of advertising. Have you read his book? I think I've read part of it. It's so, I mean, he was so sexist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so sexist. And it's the kind of thing where I'm reading it and I'm like, I can appreciate some of the the strategies in here, but like, I can't stand. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I, uh, what do they call it? DNF'd that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like, I know his name. I know he's, you know, the madman of madmen, but I like, haven't read his book, but you know, when I was researching him, I find that he did like, for some reason I expected him to be, um, like anti-ethics, like in my brain, like thinking of him as like a madman type character, I thought he would be more about like persuasion at all costs. And, yeah. um, but he did actually have a lot of ethical beliefs. Um, like he believed, which is kind of going back to what you were saying, but that a brand's reputation, right? If they were ethical and they didn't lie in their copywriting, then that meant longevity, the repeat customers you were talking about. Right. Yeah. So that does, that definitely stands. And he also believed in like clarity and simplicity, which huge yeah. uh, topic in copywriting that I think a lot of people get wrong. Um, yeah. And also respecting the intelligence of his audience, which yeah. is also, I think, something that's hard for a lot of people. Like, I don't, I think everyone, like if you were to ask them, do you respect the intelligence of your audience? <laughs> they'd be like, yes. <laughs> but I think it's harder to do. Yeah. 
Does that make sense what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I think like, like you said, it's sort of like surprising to see that Ogilvy was focused on those sorts of like ethics and respect. But I think it comes back to that. Those are what works like long term, you know, which I think can be an issue with sometimes some of these stats or things where you're like, okay, like if you're too focused on like the immediate numbers and you're like, oh, no, like this is working, like we've gotten some like short term bump, but it's really about the long term relationships um and the long-term brand reputation and the long-term you know who are you and are these people you're marketing to and who are hopefully buying from you like do they care and are they going to come back um and yeah I think that I mean I don't know what was going on in Ogilvy's head I can't speak for him but I think that it's kind of not surprising that someone who was like so effective I mean he ran some amazing campaigns would have really built that on, you know, respecting intelligence and being ethical to the truth. Uh, Cause I think that is what works at the Yeah. end of the day. Like I think at the end of the day, that's what, that's what works. Yeah. <laughs> You're not sacrificing <laughs> um <laughs> um powerful yeah. marketing campaigns by doing these ethical practices. Yeah. Oh. And then of course we get to digital revolution, which is just like, <laughs> we don't need to tell y'all like what, you know, uh, how that changed marketing, but it changed it so hugely. I think, and I think that that's actually where, um, you know, ethics got even more uh, kind of put to the sidelines because, you know, people are chasing clicks and clickbait and everything is so much faster. Yeah. 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 I think it's so, it's so competitive now on a level that like is, is nuts compared to where things used to be. Just the number of other people who are out there posting, the number of businesses that exist, the number of, you know, people on Instagram who are trying to sell you something is, is, is nuts, right? There's so many, um, and all these different techniques. And every time you turn around, there's a new marketing channel, a new marketing strategy, a new type of ad, a new, like all this A new algorithm. stuff. Around. Yeah. A new algorithm, a new, like there's so much stuff to chase. And I think it's really easy to get swept up in, you know, worrying about your click rates and then, yeah, worrying about chasing the next new thing or following a new guru or swapping between different templates and different whatevers and, and lose track of those sort of founding principles of are you being ethical? Are you being, are you respecting your audience? Like Ogilvy said, are you, you know, following, being authentic to your values um, as an individual and as a brand? Um, all of those things can get lost when you're just chasing this like really chaotic, really competitive marketing environment. Um, but I think the people who stick to those are the ones that do end up rising to the surface. Yeah. Do you ever, like as a business owner, do you ever get like shiny object syndrome <laughs> with the, Totally. yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's like this, um, onslaught of freebies too on social media. Um, Yeah, yeah, everyone has something, like so many experts, you know, so many experts who are selling you so many different things. Um, and it can just be a whirlwind. It can just be like an avalanche of, you know, and they're all, all these freebies like are kind, they're not necessarily all compatible. They don't necessarily fit together into a coherent strategy. Yeah. So you end up with just all these little like bits and pieces floating around that don't always fit correctly. I know when I was starting out, like that was so just confusing and overwhelming that, you know, you'd sort of follow one person, read some blog posts, get their freebie and be like, oh, okay, this is how it works. And then look at someone else and they're doing it completely differently. And someone else is doing it completely differently and focusing on something. You're like, it's so easy to lose track of like, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> yeah. And I doubt we're the only ones. Like, do you have any advice for people who are <laughs> scrolling on Instagram and getting like freebie every fourth post? And, and Yeah. oh, I want to say first, I'm not anti-freebie. Like I don't, I don't, and, like I am pro-freebie. I'm pro-lead magnet, you know, like it's, it's a good part of your strategy, but um, be careful as consumer of freebie. But yeah, what advice Yeah. do you have for people facing this? I find that what works for me is just to find someone that you trust and believe in and just stick with them. Like put a little, a little bit of your like blinders and actually see through their strategy or whatever they're trying to recommend, teach to you, see it through to the end. Um, instead of, which is 
which is hard because there's all going to be all these new things out there. But I think it really does come down to sort of picking who you're going to go with. Um, and that comes down to who do you trust? Mm. And we haven't talked much about trust right now, but it is so essential in in marketing and buying relationships. Anytime, I know Simone talks about this, but anytime someone's buying from you, that's an act of trust because they're buying a product that they haven't seen. They don't know if that it works for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you've tried to convince them that it works, but whether or not they believe you comes down to trust. Do they trust you? Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes we focus on persuasion and trying to persuade people when I think it can be stronger to focus on trust. Mm. Like, are you building trust? Because if someone trusts you, you almost don't have to persuade them. You know, like if we're, if we're, you know, we're friends or whatever. And I like told you like, okay, like, you know, you should do this thing. Like it, it really worked for me. You'd believe me because you trust me as a person. I wouldn't have to like use techniques to persuade you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that, when you know when you're choosing who you're going to follow or who you're going to buy from or who you're going to go um of course the point of a freebie is to get people down that road to actually buy from you right like that's it's no it's no good if you're not taking them down that road and to get them down that road that's about the trust like do they trust you are you going to be the person of all the freebies they've downloaded are you the person where they're going to be like no like this is the one that I want to actually buy from and like invest in and be part of their community or whatever um and that trust is so much about value you know your values as a brand your the way your ethics come through in your writing the way that you feel authentic either as a human being if you're a solopreneur or authentic as an organization um, which could totally feel authentic or feel like um (laughs) that trust is so important and I think that People throw around like, oh, like no trust factor. But Mm -hmm. I don't think we talk about trust nearly enough in marketing. Mm -hmm. It is it is the key to anytime someone's giving you money. It's a trust. It's a trust transaction. Yeah, that feels so important what you just said, because you do hear that phrase thrown around so much. The no like and trust, the no like and trust factor. Yeah. (laughs) And it's become this uh, like nebulous term, right? It's very like vague and urethral. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what does this mean? Um, yeah. How do people do- build trust? How do, how do they do it? Like, do you I think have an it answer? comes from being, being ethical. I mean, you mm-hmm. trust someone who's ethical. You trust someone who's honest. Mm-hmm. You trust someone who's upfront with you, someone who's authentic, someone who's consistent. Yeah. And that consistency, I think, is something that, Again, we talked about how often businesses sort of overlook building that foundation of having a brand message, a brand story, a brand, you know, tone of voice that's codified, even values sometimes. It's sort of like, you know, mission, vision, values. It's like, oh, that's like stupid corporate nonsense. But those are really important because um, yeah. you need to have those written down um, and your tone of voice written down and all of that codified, if you're going to feel consistent across all of your writing, that's mm-hmm. essential for a large business where you maybe have multiple people writing stuff. And it's essential even for a solopreneur where you're going to be in like different moods or different headspace on different days. You need to be consistent to build that trust and consistently honest, consistently aligned with your values, consistently treating people like human beings. Yeah. Um which is the same way you'd build trust with anyone, you know, if you're trying to make a new friend or what, like date somebody or whatever, like yeah. it's the same way. You have to remember that we're, we're people, mm. which can be so easy to lose sight of on social media. And especially if you're, you know, emailing a huge email list or something and you have to remember that we're people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like copywriting is so often taught as tactics you know, and what you're talking about is so much like deeper than tactics. And if you, um, if I wonder what would happen, right? If you just tried, uh, like changing instead of calling them like potential customer or like, um, lead, you know, lead capture, instead of calling people that, what if you like just experimented with calling them like new friend, (laughs) like I have a friend, I have a friend date. Um, yeah. It just, it, it just in your head, you know, like you just call them that in your head or in your yeah. journal, journal to yourself, like what kind of impact that would have. Yeah. Um, are you a fan of Brene Brown? I haven't seen much of her. I think I've seen a TED talk or two, but I'm not like 
in her. Yeah. <laughs> in her, in her world. <laughs> I am in her world. I have read like all her books. But um, in Dare to Lead, this book she has, she has an exercise that is fantastic uh, about like defining your values as a person. Mm. Um, and I think it would be a great exercise to do like as a brand as well. Yeah, um, so I recommend checking values, out. mission, vision, values is a hill I will die on that they matter so much. And so many people either don't bother if you're yeah. a small business at all, or they sort of write some throwaway, like corporate jargon word mm -hmm. salad. That means nothing. <laughs> and then they proceed to never even look at it again. It's, it's, yes. it's rotting on their website somewhere. But <laughs> mission, vision, and values it should be the central of everything you do because mm -hmm. that's how you have a consistent, value-driven, authentic brand. Yeah. You have to know what your mission, vision, values are. You have to, I mean, people will phrase them to soft seats of bread to like a manifesto sometimes, mm -hmm. or you, know, you don't have to call it that. You can call it whatever you want, but you have to know what they are and you have to be thinking about it every single time you interact with someone through writing or you know directly or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that is going to make such a huge difference. It's going to make such a huge difference in the the quality of those connections and the long-term value. Mm. Make a poster, put it above your computer. That's what I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's like giving myself, that's such a form of procrastination for me. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to design a poster. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to spend hours on Canva. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> procrastination is a... <laughs> um, write it on a post-it handwritten yeah that'll do um so what are some tactics that you that you think kind of damage this trust what are some mm -hmm. things people do that like harm like actively harm the trust they're trying to build can you think of any yeah totally so I think one of the big ones I see is bouncing around and trying different stuff mm. um which can often amount to one thing that I think is so damaging to trust is when you don't follow through with what you've said you're going to do. One of big one that comes up and that I see every year is around like Black Friday or big sale days where you say that you're going to do a certain sale. It's going to be for a certain amount of time, whatever. Mm. And then you like extend it mm, or you change yeah. it or you add a surprise. Surprises can be fun. Surprises can be a great way to like delight people and to, that could be a great relationship to have. But you have to make sure the surprise isn't built on you having lied before. I know and I pretend word, but like, the lie is a lie did you lie <laughs> <laughs> sit in the corner <laughs> yeah like stuff like that it just damages trust I mean trust lying damages trust <laughs> very simple this is like kindergarten kindergarten rules people <laughs> I know, but people don't think of it that way, right? Because you're mm -hmm. following tactics and you're going through and you're checking off this list that you downloaded for free or for $10 from someone um, who swears that it works. And maybe it does work short term. I think that can be really hard when you're you're like, okay, no, but it did. I got, I got a couple more sales. Like it did work short term, but yeah. you're damaging that reputation and that trust. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff that's I think often just the tone of voice can be disrespectful. Mm -hmm. I think we see this a lot. And one thing that I hate is the like super, we had sort of like the hey girl phase of mm -hmm. like marketing stuff to women. And I'm, I'm a mom. So I work a lot with moms. I see a lot of mom focused brands and those can be really, they can be demeaning sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes without meaning to, you know, calling everyone like, Hey mama and things like that is sort of the next uh the next iteration of the hey girl yeah kind of marketing tone of voice um which it, it can't like I'm not saying that that's like never something you can ever say there can be phases where that is authentic to your brand but I think that you have to just be really careful especially I mean we mentioned sexism and marketing very briefly but especially marketing to women mm -hmm. I see a lot of marketing that's just not fully respectful of their intelligence yeah. and especially to moms where like yeah moms are tired yeah I'm exhausted yeah I'm overwhelmed like yeah of course but the marketing can feel paternalistic mm. um, and that's something to really watch out for that yes you're marketing to a mom who's overwhelmed and stressed and tired but you're also marketing to a human being who's intelligent and multifaceted <laughs> and a real person um and not an idiot and I think yeah. that, that often gets 
that gets lost that's a that's a minefield I think um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah those those are very good it's funny the um the Black Friday example you said I'm um, going back to the the lying <laughs> I feel yeah. like I don't trust Black Friday deals at all anymore like it doesn't matter the brand like I'm distrustful I know they're going to extend it <laughs> I yeah. know like they're all lies <laughs> they're it's lying. like um it's like how uh you know how you know that a band is gonna do an encore at a concert yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you're like I'll just stand here clapping long enough there yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> like I know that you're gonna extend this sale um and it's almost like if you don't extend a black friday sale now that's kind of a problem like it's an agreed upon lie at this point <laughs> but i still don't like I it like, like it's not good. i feel so much more trust toward brands where they come in and they're like guys for real like mm -hmm. this is the best price we're doing all year i am not doing more i swear to god it ends on friday <laughs> and then if they follow through with that i'm like okay like, yeah. they're legit i, I know one, um it's like an exercise brand that I follow and I've bought some like programs from them mm -hmm. and every year they're very like they write this very I mean I think it's honest I mean you never know but it feels honest posted about how they hate Black Friday and like Black Friday and yeah. they <laughs> find it so like you know icky and they don't want to be part of it but people sort of ask them if they're doing a sale and they'll do something like really small and they're like like okay like we're good but it's not and it just feels so much more authentic, you know? It just feels like, okay, this is a real person. Yeah. This isn't, like, throwing a bunch of black garbage at me. And it stands out so much. It stands yeah. out so much from the Black Friday garbage just by writing a post about how you hate Black Friday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, be, be tr tell the truth. Yeah, tell the truth. Yeah, if you are, like... Try like be be honest about your struggles with marketing. If marketing, if you feel icky about marketing, you feel icky about Black Friday deals. Like say it. Yeah. <laughs> it will stand out. Which is probably again coming back to Simone Soul, why her marketing stands out so much to us and to other people is because like she will say things like, "Oh, like this trend is driving me nuts." <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So yeah. Wow. I like that. Yeah. I would love to for my inbox to be full of Black Friday deals that are like for real. Like. <laughs> <laughs> we will not extend i promise i oh, I'm, I'm gonna i want to write some subject lines like that next year <laughs> mark it down <laughs> um yeah um and then yeah and then i want to circle back to to the um marketing to moms and stuff because i do think that that's important and that comes back to what we were talking about with um alec v too i always feel like i'm gonna say his name wrong it's so funny um Ogilvy, Ogilvy, yeah, because I do always say his name wrong, Ogilvy, uh, and one of his ones, one of his, like, tenants is, you know, respect the intelligence of your mm -hmm. audience, and, you know, I mentioned when we were talking about him how hard that actually is to do in practice for some yeah. people, um, and even for me sometimes, too, like, I get so caught up in the tactics of copywriting, yeah. like, even I, um, because I spend more time with words every day than I do with people. <laughs> so I get caught up in like all my tactics that I also do. Like you forget that you're not just like uh, writing a, a story to entertain children, you know, <laughs> like yeah. there, there are humans on both ends, like you and the humans listening. Um, yeah. 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 And that's so important. And I think it's about seeing your target audience um, as like, real full people uh, which we haven't talked about like you know your ideal client profiles yeah. sort of aspect of marketing uh, but obviously that's a huge part of marketing is how do you describe the the target which target again is another like oh my gosh it violent is. word like target it's for guns <laughs> Oh my yeah, how do you describe your target? Uh, is it as a target or as a person? <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I think sometimes, you know, to use the mom example, you're marketing to moms and all you do is describe mom stuff and you forget that you're describing an in, like a whole human being. Mm -hmm. You're not speaking to like a mom, you're speaking to a person mm -hmm. um, who is a mom and things like that where you... I think a lot of other a lot of other situations where you feel like you're you're marketing to one you describe your your ideal client mm -hmm. in this really narrow 
focused way. I see this a lot in B2B too, where they'll be marketing to like project managers or whatever. And they have it so focused on like, just like these project and they forget that like, that's a full person. Yeah. Uh, I see some people who like, don't put any emotion in B2B marketing. It's entirely about like your numbers and improvement for, you know, things and forget that like, if I'm a project manager manager who's struggling with a problem, I have feelings about that. Like I'm frustrated, you know, I feel insecure. I feel worried about my job. I mean, who knows, right? Like I I have feelings related to that problem and I have a whole life and I have a reason that I'm doing this job and need this job. And, you know, when you speak to that whole person, that's part of respect. Whether you're talking about like B2B marketing or marketing to moms or marketing to whoever, you need to see them as that whole person and understand their whole, the whole picture of what they're feeling and what's going on in their lives. Um, not just like a really focused, targeted on one tiny little facet that has to do with your product. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do. Ideal client work is is one of those things that sometimes can feel icky. Like it feels like, ooh, I'm like outlining because I've done ideal client work where it's like, what books do they read? What newspapers do they subscribe to or magazines or yeah. what? Like what do they eat on a daily basis? And that is all so valuable and yet can feel a little weird, right? Yeah. Um, my favorite way to do ideal client marketing, which works better for like small businesses and solopreneurs, but is to like, um, like have one of your real clients in your mind and like talk to yeah. them. Um, But, you know, these fictional ideal clients, I think, can sometimes feel a little strange. I've worked for, like, big companies where they have, like, and it actually is kind of shaped like a target even, like, the picture. (laughs) It'll have, like, all the facets of their life in, like, these, like, pie charts with a picture, a a stock photo of someone in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's not a real person. That's not I think what I like with ideal client work is when you focus it on emotion. And you're thinking about like, and yeah, it can be focused on the part that's relevant to your business. I mean, you don't have to describe everything about their life, but Mm -hmm. you're focusing it on like, this is a human being. What are they feeling? What are they thinking? What are their wants? Like what's going on? And describe it in like a rich and meaningful way, not like checking boxes or making like random bullet lists of random info that's not even relevant. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like make it feel like real, like if like if I was going to sit down and describe a friend to you and, and a friend's life or a problem that they were having, you know, you're gossiping about someone, like yeah. I would describe how they feel. I would describe what's going through their head. I would describe how frustrating it is. And I think that's how a valuable ideal client persona should look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good advice. Um, okay, so we're I want to take a few steps back and talk about like we've we've talked a lot about copywriting and like our advice for it and ethics and I'm curious for you to share um like your journey into copywriting um like you mentioned you had a science background right I don't know if I know about that science background and also like so your journey from before copywriting to into copywriting to more ethical copywriting. Yeah. <laughs> Give us yeah. that like character arc. <laughs> What's it yeah, like? Yeah. Yeah. So I started out in computer science, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't like. I went into biology, got a master's in biology, did some research, also decided that wasn't for me. So I tried all these different things. Um, and writing was always, I think this is such a familiar story for copywriters, but it was always something I loved. It was always something that, you know, called to me that I wanted to do. I was even doing a little bit of writing on the side. I was writing resumes of like mm. all the random things, but I was doing some resume writing, like freelance on the side, but I just felt so firmly that it was not something that I could ever make a living in. Mm. Like that was just out of the realm of the possible, um, which I think comes back to like a whole larger issue of like the way the arts are treated in our society. (laughs) When I, when I came across copywriting, um, I was, I was really looking for a way to make writing work because I was enjoying it so much that like tiny bit of freelance resume writing I was doing. I loved more than like all the research, all the like programming, all the like other stuff I've tried. Um, so I was looking for ways to make it work and I decided to try copywriting and joined the the Comprehensive Copywriting Academy, which is how, you know, you and I met through that. Yeah. Um, but 
and, and launch this career into copywriting. And I mean, to be honest, I chose it just because I was like, well, this one might actually be able to support me and I can yeah. actually be a writer. Um, and when I started getting into it more, I found so much to love because there's so much humanity in it. There's so mm -hmm. much storytelling. It really is about authentic connection. I know people describe copywriting as writing that persuades. I think copywriting is writing that connects. Mm. It's writing that brings two people together into a relationship of, of trust. Um, like I, I said before, I think that copywriting isn't about persuading and techniques and convincing people. It's about building trust. Yeah. Um, and the more I got into that, I read, I'm obsessed with the story brand framework. I know we've like dissed some frameworks, but I love how they like dig into storytelling and just the psychology of storytelling and the mm -hmm. way that it's so integral to how human brains work, how we process information of all kinds throughout our lives mm -hmm. um, and how you can use storytelling to build trust to like show who you are to connect with people in a way that's going to be meaningful and that they're going to remember and it's going to feel like an authentic connection to them um and the more I got into that the more I loved it that I found that copywriting has been something that I really picked out of the air as like okay well like this blog article says that it's the way I can make the most money in writing as a writer yeah um, and it's become something that I think that I am very passionate about and would defend um, against all the people who are like, oh, so it's like icky marketing or, you know, oh, so like AIs are just going to take that job. And it's like, mm. AIs cannot <laughs> like strategize <laughs> around how are you going to build trust and connect with authentic people and use yeah. storytelling. Like they don't have that. Um, so yeah, it's just become this, this thing that I think really surprised me yeah. um, how much I enjoy it and how meaningful it can be yeah no that's awesome i love hearing you say that because uh like my own story is i like got my i was a writing major writing major yeah. got my mfa in creative writing like loved words loved writing yeah <laughs> um started working at a marketing agency where most of my clients were big tech brands right mm -hmm. um and then started to feel like i was like the devil. <laughs> I felt like I was actively making the world a worse place, you know? Oh. Um, but I think like so much of, and maybe you feel this too, like choosing my clients matters to me. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Like I think marketing can be all the bad things that people talk about where it's like manipulative and persuasive if you don't really believe in the value of the thing you're say selling. Right. And yeah. when you're a copywriter and you're writing for other people, if you don't choose your clients, then, um, which at an agency you don't, right? You don't choose your clients yeah. as much. Um, then it can start to make you really feel like icky because you're like, okay, I'm using these persuasive trust building techniques, I know, but I don't really believe that the person on the other end of these words actually needs <laughs> the thing that I'm trying to sell them. So yeah. I had a bit of a break from marketing for years uh and i just i traveled and volunteered a lot and ended up coming back to marketing you know long long story short i ended up coming back to copywriting obviously comprehensive copywriting academy cca yeah. um because i needed to make money and i was like how, <laughs> how can i do this in a way that feels better with the skill and this experience i already have mm -hmm. um and i realized if i built my own business around it i could have more control about yeah. who I worked with. And I, and when I believe um, in the people I'm working with, when I think that they are making the world better, it's, uh, it's easier for like, I, like I can build that trust better without feeling manipulative, yeah. but like hearing the way you talk about it, um, like gives me life again, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's a nice, like uh, injection for me of like, yes, it can be good. Right. If, and I think that, um, I'm also a fan of Marie Forleo. Um, and one of the things that she says is that like, if you really believe in what you're selling, if you believe in the value of it, um, then you need to market it. Like you must, mm. you know, your people need it. <laughs> so you've got to mm. talk about it. You got to put it out there. Um, but yeah, so thank you. That's yeah. I love your story. Um, and yeah, CCA has been awesome. I'm glad we met there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so let's we can start to to wrap up. I think we're coming on time. This has been such a great conversation, but I'm curious. Well, I have two questions for you. The first one okay. is, do you have any like practical final tips? Maybe just like one, like your top practical act, like uh, actionable final tip for listeners who are interested in writing ethically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My biggest tip, which I've already mentioned, is to set up that foundation. Set up your values, set up your tone of voice, set up a mission and vision that you actually care about and isn't just corporate jargon word salad. Mm-hmm. And like stick to that, like mm-hmm. put it where you're going to see it and turn, but you'll use it as a real living document that you refer to all the time. Um, and it's going to start shining through. Even if you don't use any other tactics, it's going to start shining through when you make that the first thing in your head every morning. Yeah, that's so great. Um, and then finally, final question is where can people find you uh, yeah. on the internet if they want to learn from you or work with you <laughs> after listening to this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have um, my website is cekcopywriting.com and I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's at Cleonicky Casitas. So post lots of um, tips and advice and perspectives on LinkedIn regularly. So that's a great place to keep up with me if you're interested in hearing more about authenticity and trust in marketing. Um, I also do uh, webinars often and host events, which you can find out about on LinkedIn. Um, I have an email list as well that you can join through my website. And I do small group courses too. So if you're interested in learning more and not right ready to to work with a copywriter one-on-one, which I know can be sometimes just out of your budget or not, not something you're interested in, um, I do small group courses as well with groups of entrepreneurs. Very, um, I say courses, but they're not courses. They're they're workshops. We, we, we work through it and we write it together with a lot of feedback and a lot of teamwork. Uh, and the next one that I'm doing is beginning February 12th um, in 2024. So if you're if you're listening to this before that, um, hop over to LinkedIn or my website and you can you can join us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cleo. This has been such a great conversation, and we will put all those links in the show notes. Um, awesome. Yeah, and thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me. This was so so great. Thank you so much for listening to It's All Poetry. You have no idea what it means to me (laughs) to have you here. This podcast is recorded and produced and edited by yours truly. I've had to learn a lot of tech, (laughs) y'all. You can find all the resources and links from this episode in the show notes at nicolecopy.com slash itsallpoetry. The music you hear throughout is by Jack Pierce. And if you enjoyed this episode, there is a bunch of other stuff that you might want to check out from my weekly newsletter with marketing prompts to one-on-one copy coaching for your business to branding guidance uh, and more things that I'm not even aware of at the time of this recording because I add stuff all the time, but it's all right there at NicoleCopy.com. Thanks again for loving words with me. I'll see you next time.